Hello and welcome to Everything Interesting Under the Sun. I'm your host, Ethan Clark. Today, we have Tanner Liebelt, aka 100T Tea Leaves, joining us. Tanner has been in the esports world for around two years now, and in this time, he has had the opportunity to work with some of the most recognizable names in the industry. Tanner started out with FaZe Clan, and now he's a member of 100 Thieves. In any case, here's my conversation with Tanner. what's up tanner have you been man good how about you bro i'm doing pretty well thank you so uh we haven't talked in a while and you seem to be doing quite a lot of cool things with this esports world so i'm curious i, I don't know too much about it so i want to i want to learn from somebody that's in the business so yeah for sure man to get started <laughs> can you explain to me the idea of esports and how this blew up recently I don't know if I would say it's really recent. It's just kind of like been gradually happening over time. Esports, I guess, like for for people that like wouldn't know what it is, it's competitive gaming and stuff like that. And it's been happening since like the early 2000s, really. But um, the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, it's really kind of like grown into its own thing. And in the past, probably five years, really started to develop into like a really official thing. Because like now... There's like different games and stuff that are uh, like franchising their leagues, kind of like real professional sports. So, yeah, it's I, I would, I guess, say it has blown up a lot more over the past, like I said, like 10 years. But it's been around for like a good amount of time now. <clears throat> would you say there is any like big catalyst for it to come into the like the social eye? Because I remember for me, I, I used to be a big gamer on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And in yeah. that time, I recall like some of some whispers about the phase clan and how this is starting out but now in the modern era like phase clan is huge and i'm sure everybody has heard of like phase rug and all these other people so was there any turning point that caused it to move more into the into the common like mainstream eye? yeah mainstream yeah that's the word i was looking for yeah i mean i would definitely say that uh phase had the biggest influence on that they kind of I guess, like I said, about 10 years ago, FaZe was the one that kind of pioneered it because they were the ones that were doing YouTube videos and stuff. Um, it started off with them just doing like trick shot montages and stuff in like different Call of Duty games. They're the ones that kind of took, like kind of bridged the gap between gaming and esports and like lifestyle branding. They started doing like IRL content, like shooting real videos in person and stuff like that when they all moved into like a house together and everything. And from there, like their brand was the first that kind of started doing like, uh, merchandise and like pop-up shops and stuff like that. And like doing collaborations with like bigger brands and like music artists and, and like NFL players and all that type of stuff. So I would say that like FaZe was definitely the one that really pioneered it. And that goes back probably, yeah, like I would say, I mean, they were founded in 2011 over the past, I would say seven years is when they really started to like capitalize on that and just and took it from just being like YouTube content and just a bunch of kids like hanging out online, like in like an Xbox Live party. And they turned that into uh, like actually being able to like make real content with each other. And um, now it's huge. Like they're doing collaborations with like Lyrical Lemonade, 
the NFL. There's, a, I don't know, like Bear Brick. There's a ton of them that I just off the top of my head. That was a few of the ones I could remember, but they're, they're definitely the ones that pioneered it. And it's cool because now you can see like a lot of um, different esports organizations uh, are starting to do that. Like we do it, we do it at 100 Thieves now where we're doing collaborations with other brands and stuff. So it's really cool to see it becoming not something like a lot of people think that uh, gaming is like something that like nerdy people do. And um, that's just kind of like a stereotype that it has, but they've kind of made it more people realize that it's something that anybody can do. It's not just, you know, the people that like sit in their mom's basement and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I have to say it is really cool, like what they're doing. So I, I got to, I have to preface it by saying I don't know too much about it. I just know from what I've seen on social media, but just the basic idea of all these guys, like they're a bunch of friends, they get to hang out at their houses, play video games, have these like YouTube channels, get to, as you mentioned, partnerships with the NFL, Lyrical Lemonade, all these things. Like at the end of the day, it's just a group of friends that are just living their lives to the fullest and enjoying it as much as they can. That That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably been the coolest thing about it is like a lot of the uh, like bigger brands now, I guess, kind of like come from that background where it was just like a group of people that like decided to start it. And they obviously didn't see what they were doing at the time becoming what it is today. But um, it was just like a bunch of kids just like having fun with each other. And then it ended up being like a like a multi-million dollar company that's they actually just went public, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? Wow. I yeah. Wow. Um. Well, moving forward, so what games would you say are the most popular in the esporting world? Um, in the entire world, uh, the biggest is League of Legends, probably, um, just because that one has like more of a global reach. Um, and it's it's I don't know it's it's tough because like some games, well, I guess most games would be um, like there there's organizations that compete in them like worldwide and there's different regions that are better at certain games so like league of legends is heavily dominated by like the asian market um like uh korean teams are really really good at league of legends but um that's probably the biggest one um right behind that i would say globally the biggest games are uh valorant and csgo and then in the united states the biggest game is probably call of duty just because call of duty is a franchise league because and uh so basically what I say, what I mean when I say it's a franchise league is it's, it's kind of like how real sports leagues are um, like the NFL and the NBA and stuff like that, where a team is owned by an organization and they're based in a certain city. And then that team has like their own homestand where all the other teams go to like wherever that team is located and they all compete in a tournament there like every other weekend. Um, so Call of Duty just became franchised a few years ago. So um, that's what they've been doing is uh, every every few weeks they'll have like their own home tournament and all the other teams will go there and then they'll compete in it. So the Call of Duty League actually just ended for the year and we won the world championship, which was pretty cool. And it was here in Los Angeles. So we got to actually like see it happen in person, which was really dope. But um, yeah, I'd say le- globally, the biggest game is definitely League of Legends, though, for sure. We'll have to congratulate you you guys on winning that world championship. That's awesome. Like, so can you walk me through what this world championship consists of? So you mentioned you guys are all sitting in a physical location. Like, how does it how does the event run? Um, so it it 
changes based on the game and like the amount of people, obviously, that are going to show up to it. But um, for Call of Duty, what they did was they rented out uh, the basketball stadium at USC. And um, the way that it works each tournament is like they have um, like qualifying stages and stuff like that. And then the actual like weekend of the tournament, um, the higher seeded teams play the lower seeded teams in um, the teams that win stay in the winner's side of the bracket because it's double elimination. And um, if you win, you have to play less games to get to the championship than if you were to lose and you have to go through the loser's bracket. Um, and each, like, it's called a match, actually, technically, like, because they play, it's like a best of three series. So you have to win two different games out of three to win like that set match against the other team. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So the way that the championship tournament worked is like the teams that qualified through there's like major events throughout the season. And if you qualify to compete in like the world championship tournament, um, you get seated based on like your team's performance throughout the season, just like a normal playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you play through that. And then, uh, the way that like Call of Duty works is there's uh, three different game modes that they play, and um, the teams can like vote to either like they can they can vote to ban maps so that they like it, uh, like let's say for example when we played Phase we knew f- in the championship we knew Phase was really good on a specific map in a specific game mode. So we like vetoed that so they couldn't play on that map. And usually when you're um, on the winning side of the bracket, especially in like the championship, like the final match, um, you have like more vetoing power than the other team. So you can ban like the maps that they're good on and they can only ban like one or two of the maps that you're good on. I don't, it's hard to explain. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. No, um, you, you explained that pretty well. But uh, yeah, it basically like winning just you you always have an advantage when you're the winning like the team that comes out of the winning side of the bracket yeah i definitely see parallels to like actual sporting events this is very interesting like i I resent or this resembles like march madness like basketball is march madness to me it's very interesting so i i imagine at the highest levels like are these teams are they running like plays or something similar to plays and how they go about their matches or is is it like because when i play for instance, when I play Call of Duty, I'm just going out there and trying to get the most kills as much, like as many kills as possible. But I'm not playing at the highest level. So are these people that are playing at the highest level, do they have certain formations they go in? Like, is it kind of like a militaristic sense where they have game plans they have going into it? Um, that like that can kind of depend on the game, obviously. So um, like with a game like Valorant, for example, like there's a lot of like there's certain characters that have like certain abilities. So you can kind of like play off of uh, like a certain situation based off of a character's ability. Um, But that's like, gets a lot more complicated. If we just want to like stick with talking about Call of Duty, because it's easier to understand. um, That mostly just has to do with uh, like just general map knowledge, like knowing a map, knowing like how you can, like if you're going to play search and destroy, for example, there's two different bomb sites and if you know a team is good pushing a specific bomb site, you're going to want to like stack that bomb site compared to the other one. So if there's four people on a team, you might have a guy like you might have two people sit on a specific site and then one guy on the other one. And then one guy kind of like sitting in the middle of the map to see what's happening. Um, 
And there, there's not necessarily as much strategy that goes into uh, a game like Call of Duty compared to uh, like Valorant or League of Legends, but there is still like a lot um, just in terms of like knowing it's just like preparing for the team that you're playing against, knowing like what their weaknesses and their strengths are. Um, and just like general terms that pretty much can be used like throughout any game. Like for example, if you ever hear someone say like um, they like traded out a kill, basically what they're saying is like, if you're, if you get, if your teammate gets into a fight with someone on the other team and that guy kills your teammate, it's important for you to kill the guy that killed your teammates. You trade their deaths, trade their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, just to keep it even because in a map or in a game mode like search and destroy where you don't respawn um trying to keep the numbers like even between teams is important because obviously if you're down a man or it's like 4v3 or something you're at a huge disadvantage so that's like in turn i don't know that's like a really really basic rundown i guess of like some of the strategy that's used there um call duty they kind of have like positions as well so they have guys that like We'll use uh, like they the, the two like main ones that people would know that are like very broad descriptions are like um, that you usually have certain people that use like an assault rifle and then certain people that use an SMG and those roles like uh, they're pretty much set like you don't usually see players switch between them um, but those are probably the more like broad roles that you because like every every single person has like different little skills that they're good at but those are the two main ones that kind of like can differentiate play styles between people. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it really depends on the game. Um, games that have more like things uh, that can be controlled by the player, like a game like Valorant, where all the different uh, agents in the game have different abilities that can like completely make or break a, like a round that, that gets like really complicated and same with League of Legends, but um yeah i don't know call of duty is probably the most simple uh when it comes to strategy but that's not saying it is simple Hmm. yeah that makes sense well let's take a step back you mentioned a little bit about on the world scale so yesterday i was doing some research on esports and the world scale and some of the facts that i was coming across i'm just going to give you some statistics right now uh so in terms of revenue in 2018 the gaming industry brought in 138 billion dollars the sports industry brought in $74 billion and the film industry, the U S film industry brought in $43 billion. And in addition to that, the esports industry brought in $905 million with a 48% growth. The NFL brought in $8 billion with a 5% growth and the NBA brought in $7.5 billion with a 20 or with 25% growth. Mm-hmm. So how do you see these numbers changing in the near future? Um, I think just I, I think you're going to keep seeing uh, industries that are like already very established, like they're going to stay um, like fairly close to where they are. Obviously, they're going to continue to grow um, because everybody like across the world is watching uh, like, you know, actual like physical sports that are being competed in like the NFL or like soccer in Europe, for example. Um, so those are always going to be successful. Um but when it comes to like the esports industry, it's it's an interesting like it's an interesting subject to look at because it's uh, it's really young still, like in the grand scheme of things, compared to more established like real uh, like physical sports and stuff like that. Um, but 
it's uh it's growing at like an extremely rapid pace like it's one of the fastest growing industries in the world right now um not just like in terms of uh like the actual like competitive aspect of it but um like the content creation side of everything and the apparel and all that stuff that all these uh organizations are doing now so i think it's you're going to continue to see like it's, it it would take a very it would take a lot and it would take a long time for esports to catch up to those leagues but um i think over time it does have the potential too especially because um technology is becoming more and more like accessible to everyone so like anybody can sit down and learn how to play uh, a video game for example but like not everybody is going to have the skill set to like make it to the NFL you know what i mean so hmm. i think it's like something that is much more accessible for people to um, not only like learn and play because you can sit down and watch like any professional gaming tournament on like YouTube or Twitch, but um, you can also sit down and like play the game for yourself, which is like kind of what I think really sets apart um, esports and gaming because like I said, anybody like, you know, my mom and dad could sit down and learn how to play like, you know, a video game if they wanted to, but I can't all of a sudden like decide I want to go play in the NFL. You know what I mean? So like, it's a lot more accessible for people. And I think that um, as time goes on and it, and it continues to grow and continues to get more coverage, um, you're going to see it grow to a much higher level than it is right now, even though right now it's already probably a lot more developed than a lot of people probably thought it would ever be. So I think that's pretty cool. And I'm excited to see like, kind of like where that goes in the future. Um, And just like as someone that works in the industry, it's always, it's always cool to see like um, every year uh, these organizations, like there's more of them that exist and there's more people that are like more involved with them because they're starting to realize that it is actually like a real thing that you can like make a living in that uh, space doing like not just in the competitive part of it, but like, like I said, there's teams that are doing, um apparel and content creation and all that stuff so like me for example i don't necessarily work a lot with the actual esports side of things um in terms of competing but like i'm helping 100 thieves build uh like its actual brand and uh it's like presence on social media platforms and stuff like that so that more people can see that side of what the organization is doing and then they start to get invested in the other areas of it so yeah, I think it's just it's a it's an organization or not an organization. It's a it's an industry that's always going to keep growing, and I don't I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, that's definitely evidenced by the forty eight percent growth in comparison to the five percent growth of the NFL and twenty five percent growth of the NBA. Yeah. After I saw these numbers, to be honest with you, I was not expecting this at all. But one fact that I forgot to mention, which is the most surprising one of all, was that the, in 2017, the League of Legends World Championship had a, a viewership of 57.6 million. The 2018 Super Bowl had 103.5 million. And the 2018 NBA Finals had only 17.5 million. So yeah. already, the League of Legends World Championship is nearly triple that of the NBA Finals. And me, myself, being a, a basketball fan, I, like, I, I'm biased. I think basketball is the most entertaining, but these viewership statistics definitely do not do not uh agree with what i'm saying it was yeah it was definitely very eye-opening to see that well the the cool thing with it is like 
um it's first of all it's on a it's on a global scale obviously so like more people across the world are going to watch it compared to like most people across the world probably don't watch the nba finals like just it's usually just like you know people in the u.s same with the super bowl Hmm. um but the like the cool thing about esports in general is um when you have an organization all like i'll use uh the organization i work for for example 100 thieves um we compete in a lot of different games right so we compete in valorant league of legends call of duty um apex legends uh i believe that's all the major ones that we're in and uh when you have like a fan base that supports an organization they don't just support one of the games that we play right so for example i have no idea i've i've never really gotten into league of legends and it's confusing as hell to me um but i'll still watch it because i want to see my team win you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like although i i really only watch like valorant and call of duty because i understand like what's happening in those when it comes to like a league of legends world tournament or like a world championship i'll watch it just because i want to see like how my team does so it, that's like a whole nother level of viewership that it gets is because like all these organizations don't just compete in one game they compete in a bunch of them all across the board so there's more people there's more potential for viewership because of that yeah that makes complete sense do you think the reason like the uh, without having the twitch streaming service do you think any of this would have been possible or something in comparison to twitch uh i i don't know i mean that's that's a tough question like twitch definitely is the uh for a long time has been like the the main way to watch not only just like professional tournaments and stuff like that but like you like just any streamer that plays games and stuff um so like it's hard to say whether or not like that it would have experienced the same growth because i you, there's you know there's no way of knowing if a different streaming platform would have came up that would have allowed for people to like actually broadcast esports um but it's fun- funny enough like twitch is kind of like on the de- like on the decline right now funny mm-hmm. like it's funny that you bring that up because um youtube right now is kind of like taking over the game with that because now there's so many different platforms that you can stream on um for people to watch and um like call of duty for example the the cdl isn't even streamed on twitch it's streamed on youtube now so it's hard to say whether or not a different streaming platform would have came in and like kind of filled the role that Twitch did. But like for the sake of the argument, I don't think let, let's say like there wasn't any streaming platform of that size. Um, I definitely don't think that it would have experienced the same growth um, and it wouldn't be near what it is today. But um, I still think people would like know what it is, just not not the same way that they do right now. Mm-hmm. Well, to continue with the idea or the comparison of esports to physical sports, what is your opinion on esports becoming a part of the Olympics? Um, I don't think that that would happen um, anytime soon, at least. Just because it, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's not, doesn't really fit in with the rest of the sports that are like the Olympics has in it because it's it really isn't, uh like esports is is it's not really physical obviously it's kind of a mental type of thing and i don't i just don't think that i think it would be looked down upon by a lot of people if that were to happen because they a lot of people don't believe that it it is even like 
a real competitive sport or anything. Um, and it would get a lot of backlash. Uh, I do, however, see like maybe some, um, like gaming in general, having its own like type of form of that or something like a really, uh, like high level competitive world scale thing. That's like across multiple games or something. Um, but I don't see at least in the near future, anytime, like, or even in the distant future, to be honest, where, uh, esports has anything to do with the olympics just because they're so different and and i feel like that would a lot of people that don't really understand like the level that esports is at now and how competitive it actually is like a lot of those people would be really upset about it and that's understandable i was looking at uh, as i was doing my research on this there was some rumors about esports being brought into the 2020 i think it was 2020 uh, tokyo olympics I don't know if that ever happened. I think the Olympics just kind of got pushed aside because of COVID, but that would have definitely been a very interesting development. I personally, like this is this is the same with skateboarding and all the new sports that they're bringing to the Olympics. I kind of feel like they don't belong there. It, I mean, it's kind of... Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Yeah. So do you think they're like similar to skateboarding, snowboarding, all that, how they have the X Games? Are you trying to like, are you saying that esports will develop like their own sort of X games where it's like another Olympic type thing, but not on the, like the same grouping. Yeah. I think that that would be the smart thing for, for them to do for sure. Yeah. Well, moving on. So another thing I, I looked into was I came across, there's a lot of scandals of performance enhancing drugs in esports, like Vivans, Ritalin and Adderall for reaction time and concentration. This is not something I ever like, ever crossed my mind but i can completely understand where it's coming from like if you have the opportunity to improve your performance and do better than your competition why would you not like it's kind of the same thing with every other sport baseball basketball football has there has there been any scandals like this or is this a, like a concern within the groups that you surround yourself or the groups that you're involved in of performance enhancing drug scandals um i mean i've never personally really like seen it happen i've heard of things happening but like it's it's tough like like i said earlier like it's esports is all like a mental thing like it's not really like it doesn't really take a lot of like uh physical activity to do it it's more it really works your brain um because there's you know you're making like split second decisions and stuff like that um but it's tough because like let's say like in the mlb for example when they had like the big like in the early 2000s when there was a lot of people using steroids like ster- like people you're not really prescribed that like type of steroid that's going to make you you know hit a, hit 73 home runs in a season like Barry Bond said mm-hmm. like but people are prescribed things like Adderall and stuff like that so it's tough to like combat that because you can't really like all of a sudden say that like you can't just ban it because there's a lot of people that actually do take it for like re- you know legitimate reasons um but like there is obviously like just in the world in general like a lot of abuse with that type of stuff and like people see like the potential of like in esports how it can be abused because it definitely would it definitely would give you an advantage because it it, it your motor functions are like so much higher in, in like making split decisions and stuff like that when you take something like that but like i said it's tough because you can't really like compare the two between like taking like a steroid or a performance enhancer in like football or baseball or something like that. Um, 
because those are like those are things that like just in general uh in general sports you like it's always been frowned. well i guess it, you can't really say it's always been frowned upon but um especially recently like it's banned you know you if you get caught using that you're completely banned but like you can't really push that on someone that's been taking like Adderall for 15 years. You know what I mean? That's just mm. not really like, it's not fair to do to them because they take it for their day-to-day operation, not for playing the game. So it's a tough subject for sure. You know, one of the quotes that I came across, it was from some gaming executive. I forget their name, but they basically said it's second nature for some league of legends players to take as many as three drugs before a competition. And that is like, wow, that's like I, I said before, uh, this I was not aware of this, but I mean, it makes complete sense. Like, if you can improve your performance, why not? Yeah, I think that like a, a way that they could get around that, I guess, is like if they were to test for it, like the people that have like been prescribed it for X amount of time or something could maybe be like grandfathered into a rule. But like if you like are tested and it just pops up in your system, then maybe like there's a, a penalty or a ban for that or something. But I don't know. It's yeah, it's tough because. Yeah, like I said earlier, you can't really just like tell someone that's been taking it like for almost their whole life, like all of a sudden they're not allowed to take it anymore. So, well, going back to what we were talking about with the Olympics and esports being integrated in, what is, I'm curious of what your definition of a sport is. If you are, so first off, do you consider esports to be an actual sport or do you think that that is just the name that it was given and then you continue with that? I mean, I definitely think it's like it is a sport because I my the way that I look at sports, like there's always people that I'll say things like like cheerleading isn't a sport or, you know, esports aren't sports, like all that type of stuff. But like, in my opinion, like if it's if it's a competitive event that like there's that someone or like the, that, that the outcome is dictated by like people competing against each other and there's someone that wins and someone that loses. I think that that is kind of what defines a sport. Um, because like, I think, yeah, I, th- I think that the easiest way to look at it is, is like, is it competitive? And with esports, it's very competitive. And, um, I think that that's like something that people fail to see a lot of the time when they bring up those arguments is like, you can really make anything like if it's at, if it's like at an established enough level and people are competing in it and like, there's people that are invested in it, in my opinion, then yeah, like it is a sport. Fair enough. How do you think esports will be impacted with the like the advancements of virtual reality and that becoming more of a thing? Um, I think most games that are going to be at like a competitive level like they are right now, um are going to stay with just being either like based on a controller or a keyboard and mouse for a pretty long time until like virtual reality and stuff like that is a little bit more worked out because it's tough to, I don't know. Those games can be really buggy and they're, they're not like really, uh, they're not as polished as games that you'd play on a computer or like an Xbox or PlayStation are yet. Um, but I think eventually, uh, those will definitely be, there's, there's definitely going to be games that people play in VR that are competitive. Um, but as of right now, I think, we're a little bit far away from that still, just because like I said, there's, there's a lot of kinks that need to be worked out with that. Hmm. Do you ever see a world of, have you ever seen the movie ready player one? Yeah. 
Do you ever see that kind of world taking over? I mean, I don't know if I'd say taking over in the sense, like in the way that it does in the movie, because that's like a pretty extreme example. But uh, I mean, there's already kind of like aspects of that that do exist. Like there's there's games that people play in like VR and stuff where they can like just like meet up with their friends and it's like a whole virtual world for them to like do whatever the hell they want to do and be like whatever they want to be. And um, I think like it's definitely to an extent it already exists, but like, I don't know if it'll ever be on that level where like everyone's like you, you where like people's real lives kind of like are second fiddle to like their virtual life, I guess, mm-hmm. because that would be like really crazy. And I just don't think that like, I think a lot of people have never like allow that to happen because I think people have enough common sense to realize that, you know, your real like human social interactions and real life are are much more important. So to continue with this, um, so I'm kind of inferring based on what you just said that you're not, you would not be a fan of a, a full transition into the virtual world with virtual reality progressing. I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, I, I definitely want to see it progress, but I don't think that, like, it would be smart for us to be, like, completely reliant on it, no. So, yeah, me personally, I think it's a very cool idea. Like, I, I don't know if Ready Player One would ever happen, but just the idea of being able to, for instance, say I have a daughter and my daughter's having a birthday and my grandparent or her grandparents are on the opposite side of the country. And instead of that, having them have to fly over to experience their like my daughter's birthday with them and said they could be there virtually except the virtual presence is essentially kind of uh emulating a physical presence so you can't really even tell i think just based on like familial in the scope of uh family and experiencing and all that like i think it is a very powerful thing and i i truly would not be opposed to a transition into the virtual world given all the kinks are worked out and motion sickness, like all that has been solved and all that. I think it honestly opens up a world to a, like a complete new future. No, I mean, I can agree with you in, in that sense of it. Totally. Like I think that it can totally, it, it has like really positive uses that it can be put to, but what I'm saying is like people being like fully dependent on that being their lives is what like, I don't think would be smart. Like I think like kind of like the example you used, like it, like let's say you have like a like a grandparent that's like not fit to travel, like that's a perfectly that would be a great way for them to be able to experience those things. I totally agree there, but like I guess like going with like the Ready Player One example, what I was saying is like in that movie they basically let like real society completely like dies away, and like I don't think that people would ever let it get to that level is what I was trying to say. I mean, I could agree with that, but at the same time. Like virtual reality to me, I, I look at it in terms of like the positives, but I'm sure there will be people that use virtual reality to just fully escape their physical reality and enter into some fake thing that has no actual, I mean, eventually it would have actual value, but. Like, well, there's people, like I was saying earlier, there's people that already do that hmm. with there's games like there's one called VR chat where like people can be like whatever they want to be. And they go in there and like a lot of people. There's people that like, they have like, I guess they meet people in those virtual environments that they would consider more of like a real friend, like that they would know better than someone that they know in person. That is a very interesting idea because like I can understand that if you're, depending upon how 
advanced these virtual worlds are. Like I can completely understand you you make a friend with this person in a virtual world and you feel closer to them than the friends you have in the physical world. Cause obviously you're sharing different experiences with them and you're um, it's probably this game or whatever environment that you're in is probably tailored to your interests. So these people all share your interests. So I can understand what you're mentioning, but just be, I think like a really, I think like a really like, uh, this is a point that like, not necessarily with like the virtual stuff, but like just like, people that you meet online like through like playing games with just like normal games with like call of duty and stuff like that like i saw someone say something on twitter that was along the lines of like you get closer like you there's there's like a high chance you get closer with those people because it kind of takes away like the social judgment part of it where like he, like that person probably doesn't know what you look like and stuff like they're they're basing you just like completely based off of like your personality and everything and i think that like in a way that like that is pretty cool and you can get a lot closer to someone because of that, because it takes away, like, it can kind of take away, like, parts of, like, people being insecure about maybe how they look or something. And I think that that is, like, that's totally valid. But, um, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just scary to think that, like, because you kind of need, like, in my opinion, like, having real, like, personable experiences, like, with a real social life can be, like, very, very important to who you are as a person. And like, I think that that's another thing that like, just with technology in general, people have kind of like lost a little bit of like sense of like having like real social interaction with people, because there's a lot of people that are a lot more like can be more difficult to talk to and stuff because they're so like wrapped up and involved with the way that like their social media is and everything and like how they interact with people on there instead of actually interacting like face to face with people. Mm. Yeah, I definitely could see what you're saying, but the like video games and virtual reality and all that removes the superficial component of having to present yourself in the best light and not not be judged and whatever. Like you're not really tied. To, I mean, I guess you're tied to like an identity in that in that virtual space, but you're not really tied to your physical identity. Like you can always just change yourself in this virtual yeah. world. So I, that that does make a lot of sense. That is a very interesting idea you brought up. But moving on to more of 100, 100 Thieves and FaZe Clan. So I mentioned before, I don't really know too much about this. So can you explain to a noob like myself what it is? Like, how would you how would you describe FaZe Clan and 100 Thieves and all these other uh, companies on the intersection of gaming, lifestyle, and whatever else there may be? Yeah, so um, I guess I could start by saying, like, so I, I'm an editor. So... I'm not, like I said earlier, I'm not like too involved with like the actual like esports side of the organization. Like this is kind of like more my space to talk about it. Um, so um, with FaZe, uh, they started off, like I said earlier, just as like a group of friends that were just playing game, like playing Call of Duty together and doing, making like trick shot montages and all that type of stuff. Um, and over time, they just kind of grew into... Uh, well, th- their first major step was definitely like getting teams that competed in games and everything and, and actually becoming like a competitive esports organization. But their their main like selling point as a brand now is definitely like the lifestyle aspect of it. Um, they have like their own apparel lines and stuff that they do. And um, like I said earlier, they do big collaborations with big brands. Um, they do pop up shops and stuff, but uh, they they've kind of like they've grown to be more of a lifestyle brand in the sense that like 
people want to like meet those creators and stuff and like it's like it's like a being like a celebrity right so like p- people want to meet like phase banks phase adapt um all like the the bigger names that are in phase clan because like they see them in content and everything they see them like basically just like living like a really like awesome life that like gaming allowed them to have and now you have like like with phase they have like offset from the mega well i don't know if he's like really in the migos anymore but like offset uh is an investor and he's like part of phase clan little yachty is um like juju smith schuster is part of phase clan uh there's a football youtuber named destroying that's part of phase like it's kind of grown like to just not like when when you most people that i ask like oh like when people ask me what i do for a living and i ask them if they've ever heard of phase clan and they say yes like a lot of people actually do say yes they don't know what phase is because of like the gaming part of it they know what phase is because like you see their clothes on the street and you see like the personality uh, like of the um content creators and stuff that are like part of phase that are making videos and being involved with like other brands like the NFL and all that type of stuff. And I think that that's kind of like the point of it is like, it's, it's starting to become like, not just kind of, like I said earlier, it's not just like people don't see a brand like that. And like, think that like other like nerdy kids that like don't have a social life that sit in their parents' basement and do nothing like, no, they see them as like an influential brand. Now that's not just, built off the back of gaming but like it's stuff that anybody can be um like doing and anybody can wear like a phase shirt and it's not recognized as like a gaming shirt anymore it's recognized as like a sense of like actually of fashion and a lifestyle and stuff and phase was the pioneer in that for sure and now i would say 100 thieves is like neck and neck with them because um we like the way that we do our apparel especially is like you would have no idea if you saw someone wearing a hundred thieves hoodie that it was um, uh, like a gaming organization, the way that the branding is and the way that um, like the, the events that people like that, that hundred thieves throws and stuff like that. Like you would have no clue that it is even remotely tied to like esports and gaming. If you saw someone wearing that merchandise or you saw like a hundred thieves event in person and stuff like that, which is, I think that's like the, the most important thing is like just bridging the gap between like gaming and, and lifestyle. Hmm. So how did you become involved in the world of esports and with phase clan and a hundred thieves? Um, so <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a crazy story because like, it's a very, very small industry still in terms of like actually being able to like be a like full-time employee in it and make a living off of it. Um, so I always knew that like, just because it's, it's still like at the point in its life where, um, it's kind of niche still, but it's also, um, like the growth stage that it's at right now. It's not like, you know, you can just anybody, like you you can't have like a, a recommendation from like, um, a company that does like e-commerce, right? If you work at an e-commerce company and you do like video editing or like graphic design for that company like that person can't really vouch for you to like get a job at an esports company you kind of already have to have like a little bit of experience with it and stuff so it's Mm -hmm. like it's just very hard to like get into it so for me what happened was um it sounds really stupid but i was i was doing um like 
well, before I was doing esports stuff, I was working in like the music industry a little bit. Um, and then I started doing uh, like these 3D, like I was making 3D renders of people's like gaming setups. And then I was putting characters from whatever video game that they played, like into their setup, like in the chair, right? Playing the game. And then like I would put their name in it and they get like a Twitter header. And um, it kind of like blew up. Like a lot of people were like, like commissioning me to make these and stuff. And it was, it was pretty cool because like it was an original idea that I came up with. So like people knew me for that. Um, and it wasn't just like in a specific game. It was like in, in a lot of different games, like people would see these headers and they were like, oh, these are sick. So like I would get commissioned to make Twitter headers. That's literally how I started. Um, and then from there, it's just like uh, someone that used to work at FaZe Clan uh, saw some of my work and thought it was really dope. And they saw that I did video work too. And um, that's how I got hired to work there. And I worked there for, I think, like six months. And then uh, after that, right when I graduated college, I ended up getting uh, a full-time position at 100 Thieves. And now I work as an editor there and I help uh, push out all the content that you see on uh, pretty much every social media platform. But mainly what I work on is the uh, YouTube channels for like our content creators and for uh, our gaming stuff as well. So the idea you had about creating the 3D render of their gaming setup, that that's very clever on your part. I'm curious, before you did this, did you have the intention of trying to get a job with any one of these companies or was it just some hobby that you started doing? Um, I mean, I like I grew up watching uh, like the FaZe Clan stuff and like always wanting to be like in FaZe Clan, just like a lot of kids that like, played call of duty that were my age that was something that like everybody wanted to be um but like i realized that it's like it's just like any other job right like you there's different positions that you can be hired for to like be part of those uh companies you don't just have to be like a content creator or something or like talent to actually like on camera talent is what i mean like to be part of these companies and organizations so like um I just started making those Twitter headers for fun because I liked being in like the, the esports space. And like, as dumb as it sounds, it was actually like the Fortnite community that I was like doing it a lot in. Um, and I don't know, I just like kind of thought it was cool. And like, I was just learning like new skills, like using uh, like a 3d program and it turned into like what it became, which was really dope. Um, but yeah, it was just like, basically what I was doing is I would find like, just like random like people would commission me and they'd send me pictures of their room or whatever but like if with the ones that i wanted to do for like big engagement so that like i could like try to get my brand out there was like i would go on like google and i would just find like pictures of like these really big streamers setups or like if they made like a video showing it off like i would just like remake it like one for one and that's just like kind of how i tried to grow my brand and it ended up working so that's kind of cool so creating one of these builds or these renders of their gaming stuff how long would that take they originally took a long time because like i started doing them like right when i started learning how to use the 3d program like i wasn't already experienced with it um so it was tough at first they'd take multiple hours uh like four to five hours to do one especially the more like in-depth ones um, but then if, over time, like I got really good at it, obviously, because I did them every day and I knocked it down. Like I could do one of them in like an hour. 
Well, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, my yeah. experience. I was so. Were you using? I have a little experience with Blender. Is that what you were using? Yeah, to, I, yeah, I was using Blender. Yeah, Blender. I tried doing that for a little bit. It is very complex, so I gave up. But I mean, that's quite impressive. You're saying you do that in one hour. That's very yeah. impressive. Thank you. What does the future hold for you? Like, do you envision yourself staying within the realm of editing, or would you like to transition more into becoming one of the players in the esports teams, or like, how do you, what, what does your future hold? Um, I definitely, well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably never going to like be a, a competitive player just because like that, like, I don't know, you gotta be really good at those games to like actually compete in them. And as stupid as it sounds, like I'm only 22, but like, I'm already a little bit like out of the age range for it. Like you got to kind of like get into it in your like late teens, if you want to have like a longer, more successful career with it. Um, but, uh, for me, like what I personally want to do is like right now I'm, I work just like completely in post-production doing uh, editing and stuff like that. But I want to get more involved in like the pre-production and the actual production process, like being a producer on set and learning how to operate a set and uh, come up with like the ideas for what's being filmed and stuff like that. And actually like seeing that idea through. So um, just getting more experience in the actual like production aspect of like the grand scheme of how uh content is actually produced and uh kind of seeing where that takes me it's very interesting so when i first met you you were all into graphic design and then now seeing this path you've taken into leading to leading you where you are is this something that like did you could you ever have imagined this happening or is this like out of left field just came out of nowhere um I mean, being in the industry that I'm in definitely was like something I never planned on happening just because like I said, it's, it's a tough industry to get into. Um, it's very, it's, it's a pretty, it's honestly very cutthroat. So like, uh, not like not a lot of people get the opportunities that I've like been fortunate enough to get. So that was never like an intention of mine. I just thought it was cool and it ended up working out, but, um, I definitely always like kind of knew that I wanted to do something creative, like whether it be graphic design or uh, like editing what I do now. But um, I just wasn't really sure at the time, like what industry it would be in. And I knew that I never wanted to just like work a normal, like office job, I guess, where I would go sit like a cubicle. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I never really knew exactly where it would take me, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm very happy and very fortunate with like where I have gotten with it. So. So given your experience and where you have, gotten to what advice would you give yourself your like what, what what advice would you give to tanner three years ago um i definitely would say like the most important thing is like definitely like having a portfolio to show and um you can't be like too set on one thing like you gotta always kind of have your, your mind open to like other ideas and like um other processes on how something like might be done better um and uh just because like it seems like it's like unattainable it never is unattainable like you can always do something that you put your mind to like for me um coming from like where i was when i started doing all this stuff like uh it's very like social media based so like i remember i, I was trying to do like graphic design and stuff and i only had like 49 followers on twitter and 
that like a lot of the gaming industry is based on Twitter. Like that's where like a lot of the like, like news and like social interaction, everything is for it. And um, so I I knew that I needed to grow on there and like, I never knew like what it was going to be that caused it, but I knew that like eventually I would like be able to get my name out there a little bit better. And it just happened to be that like, I stumbled across something that like caused my, my social media accounts to get a lot bigger for people to see who I was. So I think, and also just like, don't always like, like I never, I would never want to work for free or anything, obviously, but like, you always got to like be practicing, like practice, like make your craft better. You know, like for me, what I would do, like I said, is I would take a, I would just go, I would literally scavenge the internet for pictures or videos of like a big streamer, like, like Ninja, for example, was one of the first really big ones that I did just because like, he was the first person that popped into my head at the time. He was like the biggest streamer on Twitch. Um, and like, it was tough because like, I was literally trying to like follow videos and, and pictures and stuff. And it took me five, six hours to make like the art that I made for him. Um, but like, I got a lot better at it while I was doing his and it caused like, it caused the growth that I saw to like go even further. You know what I mean? Like more people saw my work because I did that. So I guess that's the thing I would, I definitely would like want my past self to know is like, just because uh, you might not like short-term be getting anything out of it in the long run, it can help you a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like the idea of exponential growth where in the beginning, you know, a little bit, little bit, and then it starts exploding towards the end and then you get to where you're going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, just reflecting on what you told me, like, I, I had no idea that the 3D renders, like, I saw this happening in the moment. I, I had no idea, like, this is what brought you to where you are. And honestly, that's very inspiring. And I'm very happy to see where you're, like, you're, to see the things that you're doing and that you're excited about, because that makes me happy as well. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that, man. Of course. Yeah, I want to thank you very much for this conversation, man. It was very enjoyable. I learned quite a bit about esports going into this conversation i knew very little but now i can say i'm knowledgeable in the esports world so thank you for that and i enjoyed our conversation yeah me too man i appreciate you having me on before we go our separate ways i would like to leave you with a fascinating statistic a 2019 study found that collaborative gaming could improve office productivity by 20 percent. so do with that information as you wish if you like this podcast And please give my channel five stars on your preferred podcasting platform. Thank you for tuning in and until next time.